Hi, I'm Harpender Man. Hi, I'm Irene Lowe, and we are so happy to welcome Navi Gill as today's speaker for the Art of Creative Living Women of Color Summit. So, before we get started, please let everyone know who you are and what you do, Navi. Um, my name is Nabi Gill. As you said, I am an Ayurveda practitioner, a holistic wellness educator, and the core of my practices in Ayurveda is also to uh, decolonize wellness and bring more accessibility to ancestral medicine practices, specifically for uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color. Awesome. Thank you so much for that introduction. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, considering the last few weeks, it's been pretty um, nonstop of uh, holding space and like also making sure I'm practicing my self-care, but really just like showing up for folks who do need that support with their wellness right now. And just now kind of figuring out how to, we're all going to sustain the ways we have been showing up uh, for mm. ourselves and people in our lives. So I'm doing well. How are both of you doing? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, it's an interesting time just with everything that's going on. Um, I know for myself, like in the moments when I do experience joy um, or find that I am finding pleasure in what I'm doing, there is always this sort of like reminder of like, as much as I'm experiencing joy, like there's also understanding what's happening in the world and making sure that we are providing resources and making sure that we're doing our part for the black indigenous people of color, especially with Black Lives Matter. Um, so it's interesting. I feel like I keep like having to ensure that I am staying as connected as I can without burning out because this is, um, I think with the Black Lives Matter movement, this is sort of, for me, it's a reminder of like not to burn out and to ensure that I am doing the work that I can um, to do my part to help. Um, mm -hmm. That's not really how I'm doing, but it's just something that's all been on my mind all day long. Um, so I felt nice just kind of voice it right now. Um, but I think today's been a nice day. I'm in LA, it's been beautiful. Thanks oh, for asking. I wish I was in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, you know, I echo what Harbinder is saying in terms of the last few weeks has been a lot. It's been really eye-opening and, um, and also sustaining that work, sustaining that education. I've been finding myself um, actually taking a bit of a break from social media just to hear everyone else's voices and reshare and think about ways that I can contribute from a family and friends perspective to, um, you know, more uh, political and uh, societal level. So it has just been, it's hard, but I am really, really like loving the energy um, globally. So, yeah. So a question that we are asking to all of our speakers is, what does it mean to be creative to you? To be creative to me, it's, um, I don't think that it's something that I can intellectualize into words, but if I had to, it would be being in flow. Like I've always mm -hmm. been someone who really thrives when I get to create, especially if I'm creating something with my hands. Um, now because of everything being online, I really have to um, put so much of my work whether it's in writing or like putting it into some sort of 
digestible format. I really love being able to play with it and like make it my own thing, even though it's this like ancient knowledge, um, how I'm going to deliver it to people, like really getting creative with that. Um, I'm really someone who enjoys like visually um, creating things. So whether it's, um, yeah, like online or, or in, with my hands, or if I'm creating a gift for someone. So creativity is like, I think tapping into like that aspect of my higher self. Mm. Yeah. And, and when I feel really tuned in, that's when I'm able to create with like ease and flow. And especially you were talking about social media and, taking a break from it. Like, you know, it's become such a huge part of our lives and a lot of people's livelihoods and work depends on how creative they can be on social media. And everyone has their different ways of doing things. And like, everyone always has advice to give, whether that's unsolicited or not, isn't <laughs> but um, people always say like, you know, you should be doing more of this or put more of this out. And I always say like, for me, whatever I put out, um, with my work, it's like, it really is channeling that higher self. And it only comes out in that creative flow when I'm connected. Like I can't mm. create something like force myself to create something and put it out. Cause it never feels right. Like it's like, there's a staleness to it. So I just, that it, that's it for me is like being in flow and tapping into the higher self. There's um, an excitement, a genuine excitement and a joy when you tap into creativity. And then, you know, what you're talking about in terms of like, it shouldn't feel like you're producing based on other people's expectations. You just know yeah. instinctively there is that connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I know something me and Irene were talking about yesterday, um, like a part of creativity is sort of following your curiosity mm -hmm. instead of allowing like the fear to block you or hinder you or allow fear to be the reason that you're creating. It's like other people are creating, so I'm also going to create. And it's like, I feel like when we're listening to our higher selves, that never feels right. It just yeah. is not authentic. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Definitely. Authenticity has a big part to play in it. And for me, whether that's in my personal life or in my work in Ayurveda, authenticity is like a non-negotiable. And that's, that is a big part of creativity is when I'm putting something that's supposed to be a reflection of me and my work, like, what is it that I want people to feel? What is it that I want them to take away from this? And it's like, for me, a piece of writing is the same as if I was sitting there in person giving someone a healing treatment. Like, I would want them to, like, feel a certain type of way. So if it's inauthentic to me, then it just doesn't feel like it has space to, to be put out. That's just my being, you could say, hard on myself or, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just how I've always operated. Yeah, I know. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Irene, if you're going to say something. Oh, no, no. You're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, something like, again, something me and Irene are talking about before this um, call is that a piece of what we feel we admire about your work is that it seems like you have your non-negotiables and boundaries that you stick to. And I think that comes from really knowing yourself mm -hmm. um, and knowing how to 
care for yourself and respect yourself. And there's a part of that that comes into like placing those boundaries. Um, and that's something that I've seen from like your work and the way that you speak to others that I think we both really admire in that when you do get to know yourself, you know when to set those boundaries. Um, yeah, that's, thank you for saying that. Cause it's, uh, I think that's lifelong work. Uh, to be honest. And it makes me feel really nice to actually hear that, that that's reflected because learning how to have boundaries, you know, one as a woman, two as a woman of color, and then three doing this work that is not, it's not a one-time thing. It's a commitment mm. for a lifetime to decolonize these practices, to reclaim this work and to really create equity, not just for myself and my people, but all black and indigenous people of color um, in the world. That's, that's what I would want to do. And to have boundaries, especially in wellness, um, when everybody wants to be well. And when you are someone who's trying to facilitate that, um, whether that's in my field or even like uh, teaching yoga um, is, is a big one where people start to look to you as the provider of the wellness for them. So mm -hmm. I really had to learn how to create those boundaries and every day is different. Like sometimes I'll still, um, you know, allow people to enter those boundaries or someone will find a way to do it in a way that I haven't dealt with before that I have to mm -hmm. counteract um, is the only way to sustain and do this work is to have those strong energetic and physical boundaries and spiritual boundaries because otherwise we are the ones as healers and practitioners that like get will get burnt out so then if we're not able to take care of ourselves first how are we possibly going to look and like participate in creating that bigger change um globally and like in a bigger way throughout our lifetime creativity is definitely an act of healing mm -hmm. and through your work um that's that scene and i just want to switch gears a little bit um and talk a little bit about what perhaps blockages, obstacles that might have held you back from saying yes to creativity? I think sometimes they're subconscious. Um, again, like when the creative flow comes, it means that I'm along the way practicing my self-care so that I can have that clear channel. I look at things very much from a spiritual perspective just because of my my spiritual path it it's the lens i see everything in so i understand that like when my prana is low and i'm not centered and my emotions are not balanced and i'm not eating the right foods and i'm not sleeping well like i'm not a clear channel and creativity needs that channel to come through so most of the time it's like daily habits simple things um like especially when the work that we're doing is so much in demand. Sometimes you do forego eating on time or sleeping on time because you have to show up for people that need it. And that's, that's been a big challenge for me always is um, having boundaries. Yes. But then I'm a person who like always wants to make sure I do my due diligence. And I always want to make sure I put in that hundred percent. And like, if I've committed to something, I'm going to do it 
and I'm going to kill it. So at the expense of my own health and well-being. And um, so I would say that's a big one, like daily habits um, mm-hmm. would be something that I've had to maybe subconsciously not say no to creativity, but it hasn't arrived for me. Um, and other things just like growing up as a, as a Punjabi Sikh woman, creativity was never something that was really explored or encouraged in the way that I wanted to be creative. Like I was Mm. always creating like in my house, like my parents, we didn't have like a lot of other toys, but I had a lot of craft supplies, like every type of markers, glitters, glues, like all those kits. Like when I was younger, they would have like these kits where you would like do some project and each kit was like a different project. And I would spend hours in my room creating. And that was like the best time. Like I just remember like never wanting to leave my room. And I still feel that way now. Um, so I don't even remember where I was going with that, but, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't encouraged in that way. So maybe shying away or saying no to creativity because I didn't know how it would fit into my life. Like Mm -hmm. I never thought of like growing up that, Hey, maybe I'll be an artist or maybe I'll be a musician or maybe I'll be a singer or a writer. Like those things weren't what I would think of as my life path yet they're the things that nourish me so so much in being able to do this work that is a part of my life path so inevitably they're interwoven in there now that I know myself like you said Harpinder more and more now I'm like oh okay I don't need to say no to these things because inevitably they're all interconnected Mm. um so that Otherwise, yeah, I don't think it's just really been like, well, can I prioritize being creative right now over everything else that I might feel like I have to do or other people Mm. think that I have to do? Um, That's it. Otherwise, for me, it's really like when that flow comes, I have to let it go and I have to follow it. And like whatever project, it could be like the simplest thing. Like if I want to make something like right now, my mind will already be like gathering all the supplies being like okay i have this in my closet and this and this and until i see it come to life i can't stop it is so true though like that feeling that intensity the spark of creativity it does feel as though um there is something higher that is that you're tapping into it's like little spirit um guides (laughs) yeah yeah, the next thing we did want to ask was uh, if there's any piece of advice or anything that you want to say to women of color who might be feeling creatively blocked. So whether that's um, subconsciously feeling blocked or maybe there's power structures in play, um, white supremacy, the patriarchy, um, capitalism, <laughs> and the list can go on. The Holy Trinity. Uh, <laughs> the Holy Trinity keeping us down. Um, what advice would you have for? Um, I would say that you need to know the self and to do that, we have to go inward. Our world mm-hmm. really rewards us when we are um, 
external focused and when we're very vocal about things or very loud about things and that's definitely necessary depending on what we're doing but in order for that change to really come and you to embody that creativity is to be in solitude and to know yourself for me i spent a lot of my 20s um exploring my spiritual path and like mm -hmm. meditating and breathing and being in silence for extended periods of time and exploring like um the the eastern spiritual paths that i, I was exposed to and that is what gave me an understanding of myself and my capacity and really understanding that like when I'm taking care of myself and I have daily practices that nourish me, I'm limitless, whether that's in my physical mm -hmm. capacity, whether that's in my creativity, um, whatever facet of myself I'm looking at. If I'm trying to be creative, but I'm completely depleted and I'm eating crappy food, I'm not sleeping well, I'm stressed, I have anxiety, um, and I'm not doing anything to counteract those things, the creativity is going to be very uh either short-lived or very surface level and to me everything that i stand for is about embodiment and really it's one thing to have knowledge but another thing to have wisdom mm -hmm. and you have to look at what it is um that you want when it comes to your creativity for me it's always i want to embody it i want to walk into the room and like it's coming from my for my spirit when I walk in without me having to say anything. Yeah, the next thing we did want to ask was uh, if there's any piece of advice or anything that you want to say to women of color who might be feeling creatively blocked. So whether that's um, subconsciously feeling blocked or maybe there's power structures in play, um, white supremacy, the patriarchy, um, capitalism, and the list can go on. The Holy Trinity. Uh, <laughs> the Holy Trinity keeping us down. Um, what advice would you have for? Um, I would say that you need to know the self and to do that, we have to go inward. Our world, mm -hmm really rewards us when we are um external focused and when we're very vocal about things or very loud about things and that's definitely necessary depending on what we're doing but in order for that change to really come and you embody that creativity is to be in solitude and to know yourself. For me, I spent a lot of my 20s um, exploring my spiritual path and like mm -hmm. meditating and breathing and being in silence for extended periods of time and exploring like um, the, the Eastern spiritual paths that I, I was exposed to. And that is what gave me an understanding of myself and my capacity and really understanding that like when I'm taking care of myself and I have daily practices that nourish me, I'm limitless, whether that's in my physical mm -hmm. capacity, whether that's in my creativity, um, whatever facet of myself I'm looking at. If I'm trying to be creative, but I'm completely depleted and I'm eating crappy food, I'm not sleeping well, I'm stressed, I have anxiety, um, and I'm not doing anything to counteract those things, the creativity is going to be very uh 
either short-lived or very surface level. And to me, everything that I stand for is about embodiment and really it's one thing to have knowledge, but another thing to have wisdom. Mm. And you have to look at what it is um, that you want when it comes to your creativity. For me, it's always, I want to embody it. I want to walk into the room and like, it's coming from my, from my spirit when I walk in without me having to say anything. I love that. I love what you said, you know, (laughs) and one part of it, it, you know, there's this whole theme of like, you don't have to push, you don't have to push your creativity. Obviously there's patience and it's a lifelong journey, but you don't have to be broken down, stressing yourself out to produce and create. It can come from a place of joy. (laughs) That place of joy is when I think it's the most fruitful. I think like Mm -hmm. when we're talking about, I mean, creativity has so many different forms, but like so many things we've connected, like whether it's poetry or music, it's like we have to go through some sort of like deep despair. You know, there's that like that old idea that like that's when the best music comes out because you're, you're in so much pain and I think, of course, that's, there's truth to that. But what, why is that? Is because when we're in that place, we're deeply in touch with ourselves. That grief takes mm. you inward. And mm. then that creativity comes. But I would rather go inward with peace and with stability and with ease rather than have to go the other way around. Yeah, with integrity. Yeah. Yeah, something that... Um... I was just wondering about when it comes to your background is I know you speak a lot about reclaiming our heritage and connecting back to our ancestral practices. Mm -hmm. What did that journey look like for you? Like, was it something as a child being really accepting of say being Punjabi or Sikhism and Ayurveda, or was it this longer path to coming back to it? I'm still on it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, that's a question with many layers, but I'll do my best to answer. Um, So I grew up in a Punjabi Sikh family. Um, I'm first generation born and raised in BC, in Surrey. And um, I'm the oldest of three daughters, which is an important element to note. Mm. Um, And my parents, they come from Punjab and, you know, my mom's family has been here for like 40 years or something now. And then my dad came after him and my mom got married, but I grew up very much with that, like immigrant parent, extended family, um, really being connected. However, my parents could hang on to their roots, which through, through faith and through family was a big thing. Um, so to me, I connected so much to my my heritage through creativity. It was through music. It was through dancing. It was mm-hmm. through food, like those and and clothes and dressing up in my Punjabi clothes. Like that's how I really stayed connected. And and I was even when I was younger, I would like learn to read and write Punjabi. And then it wasn't until I got older, and I would say high school, I would I had to pick a side. I was deeply connected to my Punjabi, but like, I didn't feel connected to Sikhi in the way that I do now, because it was very much like the dogma of it. And like, 
people trying to tell me how I could only be this way if I wanted to be a good sick. It looked like this, but I was like, well, those things aren't me. So does that mean I'm not a proper sick? So, and yeah, and, and, you know, growing up, I had friends from all different backgrounds and I was a person and I still am. I love, um, you know, different people and, and understanding and really exploring like the culture of my friends and their families and their food. And suddenly when I came to high school, it was like, I was too white for the brown people and too brown for the white people. So I kind of just was floating with all my friends. And then in my twenties, it was very much like, okay, now all my friends were only South Asian because I, I was trying to really explore my spiritual path. And, and in that group, those were my core group of friends. And now I'm like in another phase of my life where I'm back to like expanding that open space in, in my heart and feeling safe that I can go outside because I really just feel like I'm not just made for like one community and like mm. all my friends, when they bring their uniqueness and they bring their life paths and, and it connects to me, it brings forward a part of me that is already there. But it's like when you come together with the other people in your life, there's such a unique magic that happens. And those parts of my life are the most fruitful and the most rich. And I don't know if that answers your question, but to get back into Ayurveda and all those things, that was all like dharma. That wasn't like something mm. I decided to do. It just happened to come to my life so strongly, like that flow of creativity when it happens. And I spent all of my 20s from when I was 23 years old to now. So it's going to be like 10 years. Um, trying to find my way back, trying to be like, okay, what does this work look like? What am I supposed to do? Because this wasn't a career option that was on the table. Like when, when they bring that form over, like in high school for you to check off, like this was Ayurveda practitioner decolonizing wellness. <laughs> definitely not on there. And this is something like in the last three years has really blown up. And this year now everybody knows like decolonization is like the hottest word on on the block right now and I didn't know it just happened to work out that way because I think my value system it wasn't that I could just do Ayurveda and make it into a business or mm. I could just teach yoga and I was okay with that because I explored all those paths I started with like being trained as a yoga teacher. And I was like, well, this doesn't feel complete. And then I was like, okay, maybe I need to be a life coach. That didn't feel complete. And, you know, with my Ayurvedic studies, it's a lifelong process, which like, I still am going to continue um, studying more because I want to really have that um, wisdom and like really uh, keep it with with the traditional ways that it was meant to be learned but bring it to my people because it just seems like if we're going to do any of this work it has to benefit more than just me mm. so that's I guess where I'm at now and and I I love I love that I was able to come back home to my self and my culture and like not just identifying like as 
a South Asian or an Indian, but like really as a Punjabi Sikh woman has been mm. such a powerful thing for me. And to say that without um, being fearful that I'm not going to be accepted somewhere or that I need to like code switch myself to um, fit in with like white folks or even my own South Asian folks who really didn't and still don't a lot of the times get me or what I'm talking about, but maintaining that, like once you meet yourself, it's very hard to um, go back. Yeah, I know um, for me, like the first time I heard you speak was during Eliana's Thrive program where you gave a presentation on Ayurveda and decolonizing wellness. Um, and during that time, I was actually in India, in Punjab <laughs> with my cousins. There were certain things that you were saying that at that time I just needed to hear because I, I remember that. Yeah, like being around my cousins, like they were just like, oh, like how can you be like a, a Sikhi and then also practice yoga? Like it was, it was just such a weird place to be where it's like, I feel like I'd done this like journey and this work of coming to myself. And then to see like in this community of my family being questioned on like, well, who are you really? Like, who are you trying to be? Uh, I was just a little bit confused and then hearing your presentation and then being able to speak to you. And I was like, okay. And I think, I think for me, that's what's so powerful as we start to follow along on our path and become authentic to ourselves is you start to inspire others that mm -hmm. there are others that look at you and they're just like, Oh yeah, I can be myself or I, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think you were that for me during that time. Um, and it was just so powerful and just another reminder that um, I can stay on my path and be authentic to myself. And even if other people question that, that's okay. 100%. And like, I didn't have that growing up. Like, mm. I didn't have role models that I looked at that looked like me that were interested in like spirituality and holistic medicine and like all these things. Like, you know, there, that wasn't a thing and and that's why like I just started to look at it that if I could go back and be there for myself like we're all ancestors in training you know so mm. I want to be able to really cultivate a life and live a life where like people look back and say yeah damn that was my great great grandma and like she did this shit you know <laughs> and it's gonna look different from like what our ancestors did you know they had um, different missions in for a lot of our cultures it was about surviving and they survived mm. um, and actually most of them didn't survive genocide and war and we have the opportunity and the privilege right now to do the things that they didn't get to do yeah I know um, for me like the first time I heard you speak was during Eliana's Thrive program where you gave a presentation on Ayurveda and decolonizing wellness. Um, and during that time, I was actually in India, in Punjab, <laughs> with my cousins. There were certain things that you were saying that at that time, I just needed to hear because I... I remember that. Yeah, like being around my cousins, like they were just like, oh, like how can you be like... a a Sikhi and then also practice yoga. Like 
it was it was just such a weird place to be where it's like I feel like I'd done this like journey and this work of coming to myself and then to see like in this community of my family being questioned on like well who are you really like who are you trying to be uh I was just a little bit confused and then hearing your presentation and then being able to speak to you and I was like okay and I think I think for me, that's what's so powerful as we start to follow along on our path and become authentic to ourselves is you start to inspire others, that there are others that look at you and they're just like, oh, yeah, I can be myself or I, I don't can do question. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think you were that for me during that time. Um, and it was just so powerful and just another reminder that um, I can stay on my path and be authentic to myself. And even if other people question that, that's okay. 100%. And like, I didn't have that growing up. Like, mm. I didn't have role models that I looked at that looked like me that were interested in like spirituality and holistic medicine and like all these things. Like, you know, there, that wasn't a thing. And, and that's why, like, I just started to look at it that if I could go back and be there for myself, like we're all ancestors in training, you know? So mm. I want to be able to really cultivate a life and live a life where like people look back and say, yeah, damn, that was my great, great grandma. And like, she did this shit, you know, <laughs> and it's going to look different from like what our ancestors did. You know, they had, um, different missions in for a lot of our cultures it was about surviving and they survived mm. um, and actually most of them didn't survive genocide and war and we have the opportunity and the privilege right now to do the things that they didn't get to do mm. so powerful <laughs> Um, totally resonating with that the immigrant in me. Um, but in terms of uh, our listeners here, how can they connect with you? Through the spirit. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. they can, uh, find me on Instagram. Uh, it's at Naviga Wellness. That's where I, when the creative flow comes, it, it'll be up there. Any events, anything I'm doing, projects, it's all there. Um, my website, uh, if they want to do any readings further on what Ayurveda is, how it works, um, I have tons of readings up there on my Nubby Notes. Again, the website is nubbygillwellness.com. And if they are interested, right now I'm not obviously doing any in-person work, um, but all my consultations, if they need to do online, um, they can find all that stuff there too. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Awesome. Thanks so much, Navi, for taking this time um, of being one of our speakers and for just such an enlightening and inspirational conversation. Um, I know that everyone that tunes in is going to find this to be slightly inspirational, if not even super inspirational. Um, thank you so much for being a speaker. It was so lovely to chat with you. You too.